from coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening. to Terra Informa. This week, we are visited once again by Terra Informa alumni Sophia Osborne and Olivia DeBercier for a Beyond Blathers guest episode. Beyond Blathers is a podcast hosted and produced by Sophia and Olivia that dives into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in the game Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Hannah Cunningham, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news, stories, and ideas. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced in Treaty 6 territory in Amiskwitziwiskaigen, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papas Chase Cree territory. The Papas Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you are on. In this week's guest episode, Sophia and Olivia go way back in time to the Devonian period to talk about the Dunkleosteus, a pretty gnarly looking prehistoric fish. Make sure that you go check out the Beyond Blathers website or Instagram to check out the art that Olivia created of the Dunkleosteus so you can see just how cool it looks. So without further ado, the Dunkleosteus. Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And this week we're back on our prehistoric grind with the Dunkleosteus, which I'm super excited about. But before we get into it, we wanted to take a second to plug our new shop update again. We have so many fun new sticker designs and even some sticker sheets that are selling very fast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're already sold out of one of the sticker sheet designs, actually. But you can check them out at etsy.com slash shop slash beyond blathers. We really appreciate your support of the show. And thanks so much to everyone who's ordered from us already. You make our day. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, now on to the Dunkleosteus. So if you bring a Dunkleosteus fossil to Blathers, he'll say, The Dunkleosteus flourished long before the dinosaurs and was a sort of armored fish. Curiously, only fossils for the head and shoulders have been found. We must simply imagine the rest. While its face was rather frightening, I like to picture a cute little tail and perhaps some fluffy paws on its fins. 
Such speculation is not scientific, of course, and essentially amounts to paleontological fanfiction. I own that. <laughs> oh, that's a fun one. I just want to read more Blathers fanfiction. Yeah. It's such a great idea. Oh, a little puppy dog tail in the ocean. Actually, I don't know if that's more horrifying than just imagining like a normal shark body on the back of this like horrifying face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an armored puppy fish would kind of be cute, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly, if done right. I think you have to work on that for your next paleo art. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add it to the back. I mean, it could be speculative. Who knows? Yeah, totally. And it also makes me think of your cool t-shirt from the Royal Tyrell of the Dunkleosteus that you wore when we went there. Yeah, I I love that shirt. Except every time I wear it, my mom's like, is that like a lion? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Does it look like a lion? (laughs) Wrong biome. Incorrect. (laughs) But it is it is quite an, a weird shirt, and I love that about it. Yeah, if you don't really know what the Dunkleosteus looks like, imagine a great white shark, but with like a mechano head. Like it's just like it looks like a giant robot, and it's <laughs> terrifying. Luckily for us, though, this fish lived so so long ago that it's honestly hard to wrap my mind around. Yeah, it was like extremely long ago. <laughs> I can't emphasize that enough. So Dunkleosteus, or as it's sometimes affectionately called, the Dunk, it lived during the Devonian period. But before I start talking about Dunk, I think we ought to get some context for what it means to be alive during the Devonian, because I feel like we don't see it talked about a huge amount in like paleo media that most people consume. So for right now, we're just going to say goodbye to the Dunk for a moment, because she was only alive 382 to 358 million years ago, which was the late Devonian. And we need to introduce ourselves to the extended family to which Dunkleosteus belonged to. You may have heard the Devonian called the Age of Fishes. And this time period was about 415 to 360 million years ago. At this time, fish life in the ocean was diversifying explosively. Some of these fish may have looked familiar. We saw sharks becoming more numbered, as were lobe-finned fishes, and they were our early ancestors. But beyond the fish, the oceans were filled with ammonites and trilobites, which, if you didn't know what those look like, they kind of look like punk rock shellfish slash crustacean hybrids. They're very cute. I love trilobites. But yeah, they, they were a big Devonian creature. But things weren't just diversifying in the oceans. Land plants were also popping up during the Devonian. We had spore-reproducing vascular plants that were starting to spread and diversify on land, forming vast, ferny forests. And by the end of the Devonian, seed-bearing plants started to appear. And then by the late Devonian, our early tetrapod ancestors were spreading across the land. They had sort of colonized land, sort of early to mid-Devonian, depending on the papers you read, and by this point they were they were definitely around. But then at this time, a creature that was kind of unfamiliar to us was ruling the seas in freshwater, and these were the placoderms, which is a word meaning armored fish. It's a good name for these things because most of them looked a bit like modern-day fish, but the head and sort of the front part of their body was covered in an exoskeleton of armor. 
Some actually looked very much like weird creations by an alien who had never actually seen a fish, but maybe had one described to them and they were like doing their best to recreate the image of a fish because they'll look almost like a flattened fish with like eyes on the top of their head and like a sort of horseshoe crab shape. They were very weird looking. So if you search a placoderm, you'll see what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they... They almost look like horseshoe crabs or something like that. More yeah, so. like they have this like angular shape and they're kind of flattened. They look like an arrow almost. Yeah, or like a teardrop shaped or something. I don't know how to describe it, but. Honestly, like they just look weird, like not quite fish-like. But I mean, that's just some of them. Like some of them do look fish-like. And they do look very robotic. Like they do look like drones or something like they don't they don't look like of this earth no definitely we're still in weird ocean animal territory in the devonian like things aren't looking quite right yet interesting i had never really looked up placoderms Hmm. definitely do it if you haven't interesting yeah yeah it's a it's worth a google search now, that armor covering them was made up of dentine, bone, and enameloid. Dentine is the same thing that makes up our teeth. And what was unique about this armor is that these fish had a full internal skeleton and the exoskeleton. So the two were completely separate, and they were separated by fleshy stuff in between, like skin and organs and stuff. And this armor was likely helpful for protection, but it also may have been useful as a way of storing phosphorus and calcium, which are two essential nutrients for muscle function. So this could have actually been one of the main reasons they became so successful in the Devonian is that they were able to store these nutrients and that helps them perform really, really well. The placoderms were also the first branch of jawed fish. Prior to this, Fish looked a lot like lampreys, like they were part of that group. They had this big gaping hole for a mouth. They kind of looked like lychee, sort of eel-like creatures. So thank you, placoderms, for putting that horror show out of trend. It's not, (laughs) it's just yuck. It just gives me the ick. So along with jaws, teeth also became useful. I should mention that while I'll probably use the word tooth a lot in this episode, they aren't really true teeth. Rather, they are bony plates that sort of come out of the jaw and perform the role of teeth. But I'm going to say teeth because that's just a little easier to say. Placoderms were also the first fish to develop pelvic fins, which is sort of the starting point for tetrapod hind limbs. I should mention placoderms the the taxonomy is really complicated. We aren't really sure if it doesn't seem like other fish evolved from them. It seems like they were sort of a branch, one of a number of branches. It's possible that maybe some placoderms, like it's not a monophyletic group, some placoderms may have like descended into modern fish or tetrapods or whatever, but like others didn't. It's just complicated. So um, just keep that in mind with what we're talking about today. They're sort of a, for the most part, a dead end group, we think. It's it's hard to know for sure. <laughs> it's so complicated. It is. And I was like trying to understand it. And I, I don't get it enough to explain it on this podcast. So <laughs> that's fair. While reading about placoderms, I also came upon the most remarkable story of a fossil 
of a placoderm that was found in Western Australia. And this fossil was discovered by Lindsay Hatcher during a 2005 expedition with Museum Victoria. This fossil fish named Matterpieces attenboroughi died right in the middle of giving birth. And because of this, we could see that the six-inch fish was giving birth with an intact umbilical cord. So this fish had internally fertilized eggs and gave birth to live young, making it the earliest vertebrate known to give birth to live young. More placoderms since have been found to also give live birth. So it's thought that this was possibly kind of a common thing with the placoderms. Wow, that's so cool. Can you imagine finding a fossil with like an umbilical cord? Yeah, mid-birth. Like That's amazing. Dying mid-birth and being like preserved and fossilized. That's really cool. It's really fascinating. Really taken one for science there that honestly term did. (laughs) I know. And it's so cute. Like all the paleo art makes this fish look so cute. And it's got like a little baby fish with it. Oh, it makes me happy. And the species name too. Do you think that's like Attenborough? Like after David Attenborough? It is after David Attenborough. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. Now, unfortunately, the placoderms didn't really persist all that long in evolutionary history. They were only around about 50 million years, and they mostly died quite suddenly at the end of the Devonian and also mysteriously. Like, we don't really know why they died at this point. Sharks outlasted them with, like, 400 million year achievement to their name. So, yeah, relative to the sharks, the placoderms were not around all that long. The funny thing about these fish is that there's really quite a significant fossilization bias in what we know about them because they have such bony heads and torsos. Pretty much all of our fossils are of those bones. Like Blather said, like for Dunkleosteus, we pretty much only found that sort of like neck head area fossilized because yeah, it's just so hard and much easier to fossilize than like the soft body parts of it. You might be familiar with this very iconic Dunkleosteus fossil. It's the one in Animal Crossing where you just see like its head and neck part. And a lot of the recreations of what it may have looked like are actually based on other placoderms like Cocosteus, where we have fossils of their hind body. But more recently, Cocosteus is thought to have had a pretty different lifestyle compared to the dunk as it was a freshwater fish. So most reconstructions now imagine Dunkleosteus with a very shark-like body, like shark-like fins, because it, it had a niche very similar to pelagic sharks, sharks that were swimming around in open ocean. It was a predator. So it may have been more likely to have sort of those angled fins that allowed it to move a little bit more quickly and with more agility. Oh, yeah, that's so interesting. It must It must be hard to kind of guess what the rest of it would have looked like. Yeah, especially if you just have the head. Like, I mean, as Lather said, like the rest of its body could look like anything. We don't know. Yeah, I guess not really like anything technically, but yeah, it's hard to predict. And was Dunkleosteus like one species or have they found multiple species? It is a genus, so there's about 10 species. And what's kind of funny is if you look through all the species that have been described, most of them have been described off of like 
the tiniest fragment of bone you can possibly imagine. Like, I'm kind of amazed you can even describe, you can even say it's like from this genus, from like a teensy bit of bone. But yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now is 10 species. And the genus named Dunkleosteus is a name that came in honor of David Dunkel, who was the curator of the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. He did a lot of work on Dunkleosteus, and so that's where that name comes from. The rest of the name, Osteon, is Greek for bone, so it basically translates to Dunkel's Bone, which sounds like a name of a bar in like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like It's <laughs> yeah. just such a goofy name. Weirdly, like I love, like Dunkleosteus feels, I don't know, it feels appropriate to this creature, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like they kind of lucked out with it, like this guy's kind of funny last name. I don't know. It just suits. I feel like it really suits this fossil. I think so too because it's kind of the vibe is like sort of big and kind of clunky and kind of scary but maybe awkward or something. Yeah. Like it's just such a like crazy looking thing. It just it, yeah it feels right. It just insinuates something very large and like thick like the fossil just looks thick yeah and the dunk is a great nickname for anything really. oh yeah the dunk it sounds like a wrestling nickname it really does so pieces of dunkleosteus have been found in the states in belgium morocco and canada with most specimens being from the states the Cleveland Museum of Natural History has the largest collection of dunkleosteus fossils including the very famous cmnh Five, seven, six, eight specimen. (laughs) I feel really dumb reading that out on the podcast, but that's the name of the specimen. It's likely the inspiration for the Animal Crossing specimen you see in the museum. This is the one that has just like a very beautifully preserved head and jaws of Dunkleosteus. It's got like the jaw open. It looks really scary. And there are casts of this famous specimen all around the world. I have many a selfie in front of the one at the Tyrell Museum because I just can't help myself. It's just there, ready for a selfie. (laughs) Anyone can like reach up and touch it. It's just a fun, a really fun cast. I'm sure if you've been to a paleontology museum, you've maybe seen a picture of this or maybe they themselves have a cast. Yeah, and I guess speaking of the one at the Tyrell, I feel like like it's pretty big, but it's not, you know, it's not like, it doesn't seem great white shark big or like I mean maybe I'm wrong about that how big were they yeah it's funny because like I feel like I've always felt that it's massive like when I see it I feel overwhelmed I'm like whoa I I don't know at least that was my like feeling when I see it but yeah so the largest known species of Dunkleosteus is Dunkleosteus torelli its size has really stirred up a number of estimations, but from what I could find, conservative estimates put it at 15 feet long, while the largest estimates put it at nearly double that at like 29 feet long. It would also have weighed about four tons at those higher estimates. So if those large estimates are true, that's a fish with like a bear trap for a mouth, and it's the size of an orca whale, basically. That's insanely big. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking back at the photos now, and it's big. I guess just being like a whale, maybe being a whale person, I'm like, well, it's not the size of like a humpback <laughs> whale, so. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but no, like, that's a big fish. An orca fish. whale is a big animal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a big fish. Like four tons is colossal. Like I, I compare everything to elephants, and I'm like, okay, an elephant's like 
four to six tons. Like, yeah, that's that's big. Yeah, elephant sized fish. It's yeah, and a unit as I would call it. <laughs> yeah, an absolute unit. <laughs> Definitely. Its most prominent feature are those massive slicing teeth and the very mechanical looking face. The armor around its face could be up to two inches thick in places. Like, that's that's pretty dense. Like, that's wow, quite yeah. a solid protection. Like, And that's made up of dentine, which is like what makes up our teeth and like enamel and bone. Like, that is no joke. Wow. It's also been found to be peppered with scars left by other Dunkleosteus, which suggests that these colossal fish may have been either cannibalistic or at the least weren't beyond getting into fights with each other. So I like to imagine two of these guys going at it. That sounds like an amazing scene for Prehistoric Planet, and I want to see it. Yeah, totally. Next season, add that in. (laughs) I mean, the dunk is clearly a predator. I mean, it's actually probably one of the earliest super predators as it was like quite an active swimmer, likely swam through open water where it would capture prey through sort of this combo attack. And that combo attack looked like first it would just rapidly open its mouth. Like many other fish, even those alive today, by rapidly opening its mouth, it could use suction to kind of slurp prey and the water it was swimming through into its mouth. Think of the way like a goldfish vacuums up food. It has to do it really quickly. Like it has to open the mouth quickly to create that vacuum, but it possessed the muscles to do that. And then it would snap its jaws shut. And it did this with incredible power. For Dunkleosteus Torelli, that was between 4,400 to over 5,300 newtons, depending on the point in their jaw. Although I've seen other estimates claim that it could do this with like... 7,400 newtons. Now, I know these numbers probably aren't helpful for anyone to understand like how strong that is because it's just like a hard thing to imagine. But for context, a human bite calculated from the molars exerts about like 1,000 to like 1,300 newtons. But ultimately, this fish had the largest bite force of any known fish and really most other animals. Like harder than a hyena, which is able to like break bone. The only things that would likely exceed their bite force include large alligators and some dinosaurs. So we're talking like a pretty nasty bite here. And why did it need such strong jaws? Like that that seems almost like overkill. I know. I'm like, why? <laughs> like if you're already like that big and you just like suck food into your mouth, it seems like why would you do that? But yeah, apparently... At this time, there's lots of hard-shelled critters in the Devonian oceans. There's ammonites, there's trilobites, and of course, all of the armored fish swimming around. So by being able to bite through all these hard shells, it has a wide menu available to it. And that strong jaw helped it snap its prey into pieces without having to like actively chew. So it would sort of snap into the armor and then it could get into all that soft stuff in the middle. Older Dunkleosteus have also been found to have longer jaws and their forward fangs would lengthen. So it seems like the younger dunks would have gone from eating softer body prey like sharks and soft bodied fish to eating more of those hard shelled creatures as they aged. Its ability to apply this massive force comes from a few aspects of their jaw. The first is that they have these really large jaw adductor muscles. Uh, The second is that they have this sort of four bar linked system that makes their bite more efficient. It like helps connect their whole head to the jaw. And they also 
are applying the pressure they produce to a very slim area, just the edges of those sharp teeth. So the places where the bite hits is extra strong. It's not being spread out over a large area. So that is the other thing that really makes it a nasty bite. It's quite a slice. It's also worth mentioning that the dunk has self-sharpening teeth, which is so nice. Like I wish my kitchen knives did this, but (laughs) basically every time they close their mouth, the blades of their teeth would slide together and sharpen each other. And then as the bone wore down, the dunk would just keep growing new tooth material. So it would just have these like super sharp blades at all times. Okay. Yeah. That, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> like I honestly, like this thing sounds like a machine. Yeah. It seems like it was created by like a super villain in a lab. Absolutely. And where did they live? Like what kind of habitat, I guess? So it lived throughout the world's oceans. It seems like it was pretty well distributed. And it was thought that while many placoderms were bottom-dwelling creatures, the dunk probably preferred waters that were sort of between the shore and the bottom of the ocean. So that would have made them pelagic. Now, in terms of its discovery, it was actually first found in 1867 in Ohio by a local hotel owner who would go fossil hunting with his son. Um, But it wasn't until 1957, after the discovery of further specimens, that the dunkleosteus would be given an official name. So yeah, that's the dunk. It's just completely terrifying and like such an iconic sea monster that we just have to like thank our lucky stars that it doesn't exist anymore because all it takes is looking at some of this paleo art to imagine what that would be like if you were just like swimming. And then, you know, when you get like the shark warning on the beach, like if you got like a dunk warning, (laughs) that sounds horrible. The sharpened teeth Uh, are coming for you. The self-sharpening teeth. It would be quick at least. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine they would just snap you in half and yeah. Easy peasy. Well, (laughs) I might have a nightmare about that, but also they are like iconic and kind of fun. So thank you so much, Olivia. That was awesome. It was fun to go back to the past. And thanks everyone so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Blathers and check out our TikTok at Beyond underscore Blathers. And if you'd like to support the show, take a look at our shop update at Etsy.com slash shop slash Beyond Blathers. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye. Bye. That is all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Hannah Cunningham. Thanks for listening. This week, we listened to an episode of Beyond Blathers, a podcast about the insects, fish, and fossils of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Beyond Blathers is hosted and produced by Sophia Osborne and Olivia Bursier. Big thank you to Sophia and Olivia for letting us air this awesome episode. If you liked today's episode, make sure to check out their website, beyondblathers.com, for more episodes. You should definitely also check out their Etsy store, where you can find beautiful stickers of the art that Olivia creates for each of the creatures that they talk about in the show. 
We will put a link to the store in the show notes for this episode. Also, if you're keen to listen to more community radio, Sophia is starting a new show on CITR, University of British Columbia's campus and community radio station. The show is called Prism Presents, and it will be interviews with different authors that are featured in the Prism Literary Journal. Keep an ear out for it. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. You can reach us for comments or questions via email, terra at cjsr.com, or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa. Thank you.